Here we are on a lovely Thursday afternoon in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. It is Thursday, March 21st, 2019. The day of the round of 64 is starting for the 2019 NCAA tournament. This is Lucas McMurrin in your sports hour this morning, sponsored by Balster Snow Removal and Lawn Care. They will handle all your snow removal and lawn care needs in the Cedar Rapids area. Now, let's get to it. Some exciting news. Obviously, we know we got 16 highly competitive basketball games today, or at least they're supposed to be. But we'll get back to that a little bit later. One thing I want to touch on is some extremely exciting news coming out of Phoenix. The Suns are bringing in, for a possible contract, my boy Jimmer. Now, if you're not a Jimmer for Death fan, you must just not like basketball. The guy is so exciting. You watch an averagely athletic guy, you could put yourself in his shoes, go out, and have a chance to drop 40, 50, 60, if you're in China, 80. The guy's exciting. You know, he took uh, his college team on a deep NCAA run. He had some flashes in the, in the NBA, a couple 20-point games. That bringing him on a 10-day contract, I see Jimmer going nuts one of those 10 games. They put him in, the kid's going to get a – he's going to get hot one game, and you're going to see 20 or 30 out of him. What this will do in my perspective is a team like the Lakers. A team like the Lakers could use a Jimmer for that. Kind of like how Len Sandy took over New Jersey several years ago. A team like that can really just feed off someone like Jimmer. You know, LeBron just kicks him the ball, bam, bam, bam. Jimmer's getting open, knocking down threes. That's a problem for that LeBron's had his whole career. Hasn't had a guy that can knock down threes. You go get Jimmer for dead, the guy can knock down one out of every two. I'm not saying he's Ray Allen, but I'm saying he's a hell of a shooter. He might not be able to create his own shot as well as Ray Allen or even work off the ball as well as Ray Allen. But catch and shoot, Jimmer for knocking it down. So that's exciting news for me. You know, I'm a big Jimmer for fan. Loved him in college. It was one of the most exciting NCAA tournaments ever, and that's why I brought it up, just because it's a college favorite of mine. So I definitely wanted to bring it up for you guys. Now, moving on to the next level, the NBA. A couple uh, altercations last night, or close to altercations. Um, first, we'll talk the Toronto-OKC game. Paul George trying to put some tight D on Kawhi. Kawhi looking at him like he was stupid. You got to understand, the guy Kawhi Leonard, man, he's probably still not 100% healthy, but he is equivalently the best player in the NBA. He might not look like it right now, but he is the best player in the NBA. Now, you could say, oh, wait, James Harden just dropped 50 last night against the Grizzlies for the second time this year. Kawhi hasn't dropped 50 ever. Well, that's okay. Because. Kawhi Leonard plays defense. Kawhi Leonard gets steals. He gets blocks. He sets his teammates up. And when Kawhi Leonard gets hot, he's just he's just as good offensively as James Harden. The problem is, he doesn't shoot the ball as much. So, he doesn't get hot as often. It's common sense. You jack up 40 shots every single night. It's repetition. You should make 10, 15 of those shots. If you don't, you're hurting your team. That's how it works. I don't know if 
people just look past Kawhi because he's quiet. He's not the outlandish star that maybe we want or need in the NBA. But if I'm building a franchise and I have three years to win, not looking past three years, I have three years to win a championship. i got to win one championship the next three years. I get the number one pick of any player in the NBA right now. I pick Kawhi Leonard. And then I build a team around Kawhi Leonard with a defensive mindset, and I watch my guys win two out of three championships, if not sweep all three. That's what the guy brings to the table. You go back to before the injury, he was single-handedly dominating Golden State in that basketball game. Single-handedly dominating them. He had it all going. Scoring at will. They put Clay on him. Kyrie on or I mean Clay, Curry, Durant. No one could stop him. Then whoever he guarded, shut down, stripped, blocked, had him confused, worried, didn't know what was going on. So, I'll leave it there. Kawhi Leonard, the best player in the NBA. Now, in other NBA news, again, give a shout out to old James Harden with his second 50-point game against the Grizzlies in one year. Hell of an accomplishment. It's hell of a accomplishment to have two 50-point games in today's and age. Uh, today's, you know, day and age in the NBA. But, um, hey, he did it twice. Gets one team in one year. So, we'll look past that. Let's talk about another dominating performance. What the hell has gotten into Joel Embiid? I mean, the guy's always been cocky. He's always been a hell of a ball player. But, man, 37-22 last night, bringing the Celtics back from a 15-point deficit. Then Butler, while they're up by three, hits what is, I don't know if he was in the Matrix or what he was doing. Looked like he kind of crossed Kyrie, got him confused, got to the corner, 18-footer. Bam! Landed in a Matrix-esque esque pose, um, like a superhero, kind of like Spider-Man or something. Uh, as a you know, a Celtic supporter, <laughs> you don't like to see that, and you don't like to see. Uh, that's a concerning, concerning fact um, when you're looking at the uh, playoff projections in the East. The top three teams in the East are all relatively close record-wise to the number one team in the West. But are they as good as the number one team in the West? No. Four, five, six, considerably close records that are pretty close to the West from two through five. Are they clo- are they as good as those teams? No. Are the Philadelphia 76ers good enough to win a championship? Yes. Will they win a championship? No. The reason being is, it takes more than talent, skill, and athleticism to win a championship. It's a well-known fact, and it's overlooked why people build programs, whether it's college or professional sports. On paper, the Los Angeles Rams had probably the best team that we've seen in 20 or 25 years last year. They should have went seven, you know, 16-0 in the regular season, another 3-0 in the playoffs, and marched away to a perfect 19-0 season in a perfect world. But it's not a perfect world. It takes more. There's heart. There's will. Dedication. 
mental intellect, intelligence, these things are lacking in certain programs and franchises. Coaching, you got to have coaching. I don't care how good the players are. If you have a bunch of great players, they might not win. We've had Olympic teams with bad coaching get beat by Lithuania. So let's be honest about the situation. If you look at the East, what's the most concerning fact of competing with a Western Conference team? Let's look at Milwaukee. I would say they're make or break on Giannis, but I don't believe so. I think that Middleton can step up and drop 30 any given night. I watched a game in Milwaukee, game three against Boston last year, with an entire team, just eight and eight and eight. They were just beating off one another. No one really stood out. Uh, you know, I think Thon came off the bench. Thon Maker came off the bench for about 20. Middleton had 20. Bledsoe had 20. You know, the Greek freak had 20. I mean, that's a scary team. The problem is, can you have a guy like Draymond Green get in one of those guys' heads? Absolutely. He starts getting under Giannis' skin. Maybe Giannis shoves him. That changes the whole outlook of the game. That's the thing you have to realize about Golden State or a team of that caliber. is They have a player who is disposable offensively that they can use to be a pest on defense and to bother people and irritate them. What that does is it puts pressure on the other team to try to use part of their mental capacity to ignore that person, which means they're not fully focused on the game, which means that they're probably going to be sluggish offensively. You could have a player, I could see it happen to Kawhi Leonard, someone trying to get on his kid, and he gets fired up and then all of a sudden drop some daggers on you. I could see it happen to Jimmy Butler. I can't see it happen to anyone on the Milwaukee Bucks. So, going down the line, let's look at the Philadelphia 76ers. Great athleticism. You know, decent leadership. Now they have Butler, I believe. But too much ego. Butler and Embiid themselves, that's a lot of ego. Got J.J. Reddick coming off the bench. Great player, great shooter, but just too much ego on that team. What's going to happen is that team's going to get down a few points or they're going to lose a close game, and they're going to melt down, and they're not going to know how to respond, and then their season, their season and series will be over because they can't control their own emotions. They're gonna, they'll lose it. Then you have the Toronto Raptors. Toronto's a scary team. Being one, they have Kawhi Leonard, the greatest player in the NBA. And you can agree or disagree with the Leonard take, but here's the deal: he's the only player that, in my mind, they can go into and let Golden State come to him and dominate two of the four stars on that team at one time. The only player that's such a two-way player that he can go and eat offensively and then come down and clamp up, say, Durant or Clay if he's hot or Curry. Because that's what you have to understand with the Golden State Warriors. It's either Curry's hot, Durant's playing his game, 
plays hot, Durant's playing his game. Or Durant's hot, and no one else is playing their game. Or Durant's hot, and everyone's playing their game. Oh, wait, you forgot. Then they have Iggy coming off the bench. Durant's hot. Iggy's playing great. He's locking down your best star. What happens is, when you have two of the four stars score, then Iggy and Draymond can come and play aggressive, crazy defense. Now, you got DeMarcus Cousins, who arguably is the best scoring center in the NBA. So, how are you going to beat him? How are you going to do it? I mean, in a seven-game series, how are you going to beat five future Hall of Famers that are starters with another future Hall of Famer on the bench? The top six people on the team are future Hall of Famers. With an influx of talent, seven through nine, how are you going to beat them? Boston. People say Boston. Oh, yeah, Boston's got a shit. No, they don't. Boston can't win a close game. Boston can't hold a lead. Boston blew more leads this year than probably any team in the East. They need double-digit leads in the fourth quarter, third quarter, halftime. It's completely ridiculous. And then when they don't blow the lead, it's because they let Kyrie play fast. They let him play playground basketball, which I love. I love it. I miss it in the NBA. We don't see it very often, but God damn. Let's get your teammates involved. Let's be a pass-first point guard and see how the game goes. And if that doesn't work, then then you take the game over. When your teammates are missing shots. When you're kicking it to the corner and Marcus Morris is missing it. Or when you slide to the wing and Gordon misses it. Or when you kick it down low for Al and Big Al blows the layup. Or when you give it to Marcus Smart for a pull-up three. Should be driving to the lane, let me say. But anyways, he likes to shoot that pull-up three. Oh, and they bring Scary Terry in to play alongside you. Well, they don't because they think that you'll get pissed off. You have two of the most shifty guards in the NBA playing at the same time. Yeah, they're a little undersized. But who the hell can guard them? Nobody. You kind of have Kyrie playing a swing, too. Let's Gary run the point. See how it works. They can't compete with the Golden State Warriors. Nobody can. Nobody can. So, NBA is looking like it normally does. We're looking at a third straight championship by the Golden State Warriors. Uh, we're seeing some outlandish star performances. Quite a few people. Well, that's about it for the NBA in this size. Uh, LeBron James missing the playoffs for just the third time in his career. and The first time since his sophomore season. It's pretty upsetting. But can we blame it on LeBron? The last thing I want to say is, can we blame it on LeBron? That team was a four seed when LeBron got hurt right around Christmas. Since what they do, they dropped like 18 out of 21. They're 12, 13 games under 500. Can't make the playoffs. Can we blame LeBron James for that? Partially. Partially we can. Because he didn't stop speculation. Here's what happened. You have to understand this with a team of younger guys. 
kids, you might say. Your best player gets hurt. Your leader, the guy that's supposed to be the key to turning around your franchise, he gets hurt. You got strokes. You're not used to playing with them because you play through them so much. You start losing basketball games. So it doesn't become, hey, the Lakers are a really good team. They're going to make the playoffs. They're going to make a deep run. They're going to probably get beat by the Golden State Warriors in the conference finals or semifinals. What happens is it starts becoming – it doesn't becoming an issue. It's uh, what do we need to get this offseason, you know, because that's not distracting. Oh, what what pieces do the Lakers need this offseason? Okay, this is what they should do. This is who they should sign. This is, this is the trade they should try to make. That's not a big deal. But when the trade deadline is a few weeks away – and they start saying, what do the Lakers need to win now? They need Anthony Davis. They need a star player. They need someone. LeBron's got a track record, man. He'll trade anybody for a proven star. And it's never really worked. I mean, the guy does have three championships. Don't get me wrong. But those big three championships, that league was pretty weak. The big three healthy right now, they're not winning the ship. No, 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 no. You take that big three team in its prime, not everyone in the prime. The big three team that won the championship, those guys are in their prime for the most part. LeBron James in his prime. Dwayne Wade's a little outside of his prime. Chris Bosh is still kind of bumish. Whatever. Ray Allen's still knocking down shots. You take any of those big three teams, even the first year when they got there, they're like a three or four seed in the East or West. I mean, they might be a two seed in the West and the East. I'd say they're a two seed in the East. They're not winning the championship. But here's the deal with the track record of trading all your players. These kids get scared. They get skittish. They're like, oh, my gosh, I can, any day's my day. You know, this guy's willing to trade uh, trade any of us. Especially for Anthony Davis. He's willing to trade any of us for Anthony Davis. Well, that doesn't feel good. Especially as a kid, you're not used to things like this. Uh, as a younger player, you're not adapt to, you know, learn how to get around that, you know, and play through that. So it is a big distraction, and for LeBron to say, oh, it shouldn't be a distraction, you got to come do your job. No, that's absolutely ridiculous. Ridiculous. You're asking a bunch of first, second, third, fourth-year players to come out here and act like their job, their location, where they live, might not change at any point in time. Let's just even look at the financial aspect. Not every NBA player can afford just to relocate, move his whole family, it's scary. Then you start thinking about how am I going to do it? How am I going to move? How am I going to do this? And you're not thinking about basketball no more. Let's let's give the Lakers a let's give them a break. Between the LeBron, you know, presence and injury, they have tanked and lost their way and not been able to make the playoffs. Let's see what they do this offseason. Let's see what they do next year. And if they still suck, let's blame LeBron James and Magic Johnson. Let's move it to baseball. Let's let's talk about something a little more upbeat here. Let's give it up for Mike Trout, former member of the Cedar Rapids Colonels, local favorite here. A $420 million 12-year deal. Holy hell, $100 million larger than Bryce Harper's record-setting deal. The largest deal in sports entertainment history. 
deserve it. I don't know if anyone deserves $420 million. <laughs> but is he the best five-tool player in the Major League Baseball? I'd say so. Did that deal speculation have a lot of impact throughout the league? Oh, hell yeah, it did. You better the, – the signings of Bryce Harper – the signings of Manny Machado, all of those those signings, you know, a couple years ago, the Chris Bryant signing, those signings, they don't happen if this happens. Those guys ask for another $50, $100 million, and they just, there's just not money out there to give. I mean, baseball seems like it's an endless world of money, but, I mean, the, the money's ridiculous. I mean... With spring training here, you know, and, and one interesting thing is I think it has something to do with that is you look at Mookie Betts, he comes out and says, you know, here's the deal. I'm not signing until I'm a free agent. Denied the eight-year, $250 million extension the Boston Red Sox tried to give him. You got to look at a guy like that, and he's like, hey, I'm a five-tool player. I was the MVP. I hit 40-plus home runs. I had a 330 batting average. I stole bases. I had a great fielding percentage. I'm just as good as Mike Trout. Mookie, you're great. You are. You're wonderful. I mean, I even seen you. I even seen some clips of you on the football field where you look like a hell of a receiver. But you're not better than Mike Trout. You're in a better system. You have more opportunity, and you don't have someone knowing that hey, we just got to get around this batter. No one else can really hurt us. For the most part, you're not better than Mike Trout, though, Mookie. You're a wonderful player. You're my favorite player on the Red Sox, well, second favorite player on the Red Sox, but you're not, you're not, you're not better than Mike Trout. Don't get greedy, man. Not saying you got to take a $250 million deal for eight years when people around you, counterparts around you are getting paid one and a half times that. But what I am saying is don't get greedy, my man. You can't always judge a career off financial gains. Championships to certain people have an extremely high value. Teddy Bruschi said it best when he about slapped Max Kellerman for saying championships, blah, blah, blah. Because as Teddy said, you just don't say that. I take it personal. You're disrespecting me. I feel like when you say it, it takes a lot of work to make a championship. You go look in the NBA, NFL, MLB, championships are not won in the offseason. They're not won even in spring training with the signings you guys get beforehand, championships are won outside of the practice facility, inside the practice facility, in the meeting rooms. That's where championships are won. The reason I say that is because championships come down to hard work, dedication, and perseverance. The ability to handle an obstacle and keep on going. The ability to have someone who doesn't go and look for the easy way out. Don't go sign a star player for $120 million. No, you do a little digging. You do some scouting, and then all of a sudden you go and get a guy or five guys on team-friendly contracts. That's what you do, and that's what winning championships is all about. The Golden State Warriors, they had the opportunity to build their championship and add a couple – build their championship caliber team and add a couple players. Wonderful drafting, wonderful coaching. All came together. Very, very rare. 
this year in baseball, I'm I'm excited to see. There's so much offensive firepower. I, I mean, I don't even know if there will be a perfect game this year. I mean, not a perfect game. I mean, even a no-hitter. I mean, it's you got some serious talent going around here on the offensive side of things. But anyways, let's get let's get back to the NCAA tournament. We got 16 games today. 16 games. We don't have three or four, five or six good basketball games. We have 16 games that are supposed to be wonderful, great games, exciting games. Let's talk about them. Let's get to it. Let's let's see what these 16 games are all about. Let's see what they are all about. This morning, coming up in about an hour, we have the number 10 seed, Minnesota. This is in the East region here, guys, taking on number 7 seed, Louisville. Minnesota coming to the year. You thought they were going to be good. You really didn't. You, you know, they seem like they had an athletic team, and they just getting close games, win. Then they'd get blown out by, like, Illinois. You're like, what's going on here? Minnesota's 15-3 and three, just got beat by Illinois. He's 3-12 by 20 points. So they were never really able to build up that, you know, significant, you know, background. You know, they, could, they couldn't get it done. Uh so, you know, personally, I just – I don't think they'll be able to win that game. I just don't see it happening. So I go and look, and I see Louisville. That's a team that slows the ball down, grind out win. Uh, Louisville's favored by five and a half. They actually lost, they've won one last game to Minnesota. I think the five and a half will be good. I'm taking Louisville over Minnesota. If you're a betting man, take the five and a half. If there is an under on the game, it's under one in the it's it's over one thirty, take the under of one thirty. If you can get an over under around that, take the under. The next game we're looking at is two teams with less than seven or less losses. We're looking at Yale with a twenty two and seven record against LSU with a twenty six and six record. LSU is a six and a half point favorite. They have a lot of controversy going on. There's scandals. Take LSU. Take LSU. At six and a half, it's good twofold. LSU wins by 13 at least. Take LSU. They're good to go. The next one is an intriguing matchup. New Mexico State, a 30 and 4 team, 30 wins. You don't get 30 wins by being average, okay? If you have 30 wins, you're a pretty damn good basketball team. And they're going against Auburn. Who is twenty six and nine? Now here's the deal about Auburn is they rolled through the SEC the SEC tournament. They're a five seed. To me, they look like a two seed. I would love to take New Mexico State. I would, and I would take New Mexico State probably against any of the other five seeds. I would at least take New Mexico State. I mean, I, I would take them against forty of the teams, forty of the teams in the tournament. One of the teams I won't take them against is Auburn, because I think Auburn's going to make a deep run. So I'm taking Auburn. I wouldn't touch the spread there. It's five and a half. 
I'd say go Auburn again there, but I wouldn't touch it because they're either going to destroy New Mexico State or it's going to be a nail-biter. Another intriguing matchup, it seems like Vermont is just making it to the tournament every year. They've kind of controlled that division. They're playing Florida State. And Vermont's another team I'd like to say could will an upset, but not against Florida State. The athleticism is too surreal. These guys are super athletic, and they're physical. Florida State rolls. Bradley, Michigan State. Bradley already, you know, they don't deserve to be there, to be honest with you. I'll tell you what. Drake should have definitely made the tournament. Uh, crazy play against you and I. Bradley beats you and I. Drake deserves to be in the tournament, not Bradley. Uh, Michigan State rolls. Spreads 18 and a half. That's probably about what it'll be. Next game, we have the number 11, Belmont, playing Maryland. Belmont already with a win in the play-in round. Belmont beats Maryland. There's an upset for you, 11 versus 6. Another upset potential here is Northeastern versus Kansas. Kansas is always upset prone. Kansas rolls. They do not get beat by Northeastern, who relies on the scoring of one individual player. The number 13 Northeastern with a 23-10 and 10 record falls to Kansas by about 10. The next matchup is the game I'll be watching today. This is at 3.30 p.m. today. We have the Murray State Racers first, the Marquette Golden Eagles. Now, this game is two of the best guards in college basketball. All right. This game will have, should have, the number one guard matchup with Marcus Howard and John Morant, John Morant in the tournament. To get this in the first round is amazing. You have a guy shooting 42% with 25 points a game, 90% for the free throw line in Howard, 90% close, 89, give or take 90. Then you got Morant at close to 25, shooting 50%, 80% from the free throw line. Two of the best guards in the country. Spread Marquette by three and a half. Gosh, you know, I really like Marquette all year, and I rode him and rode him and rode him. And I, uh, man, I picked them and picked them. They've they let me down in some, in some big games that I just didn't think they should lose. Ah, man, and I think they pull this out, but I want to say Murray State. I'm going to bite the bullet here, and I'm going to go ahead and stick with Marquette one more time this year. Marquette over Murray State. Let's move down here. A team, another team I've rode with all year, Nevada, 29-4 and against Florida, who's 19-15. Uh, do they deserve to be there? I don't know. Do they deserve to be a 10 seed? No. If they, here's the deal. Just because you give someone a, a play-in, you know, you give a, you give a, 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 you know, a major conference team, you get them in. You know, they're a bubble team, and you, you put them in the tournament. That does not mean they have to be a low seed. Like Iowa and Florida are terrible ten seeds. Why not make them a 16, 14 seed, something like that, and let them go and play a big power team? If you think they deserve to be there, let them go play a one or two seed. I want to see it. I don't want to see 10 versus 7s when they don't deserve to be in the tournament. 
Now the problem is, now they're playing a seven seed in Nevada. Who could choke? Who has issues? They the kids can't keep their composure. They freak out, punching fire height, you know, breaking out like uh, you know where you have the uh, the axe for a fire, you know, things like that, punching the glass out of fire extinguishers and stuff. The kids can't control their temper. Still gonna roll with Nevada in a close one. Wouldn't be surprised if Florida State gets an upset. Florida gets an upset upset there though. I like to see Florida go against a good team. You know, a team like uh, Gonzaga. I actually deserve to play. Then you got Kentucky rolling. Next game, 27-6, and six, both records, Albaline Christian, Kentucky. Kentucky's rolling. Kentucky's rolling. Rolling down the river. Kentucky's rolling. St. Mary's Villanova. This is St. Mary's comes in. They deserve to be there. They won their term, their conference tournament. So you're like, they deserve to be there. They beat the number one team in the country. They beat Gonzaga. They're a great team. Well, they're a pretty good team. They play fundamental basketball, but so does Villanova. But Villanova has better players. Villanova has a better coach. Villanova wins. And if you're a betting guy, I take the four there. I think they beat them by way much more than four. Well, this team we were just talking about. Fairly Dickinson versus Gonzaga. I love this. Be a great game for FDU. Gonzaga rolls. Gonzaga rolls. They got a couple future NBA players in that team. Got a great coach. Coming off loss. Not a good time to play the Zags. Gonzaga rolls. Now, this Montana Michigan game. Michigan rolls. You know, that's what everyone thinks. Michigan rolls. No, it's, it's a close game. Um, Michigan does get the win. But I'm thinking we're looking at like a 58-54, 58-52, low-scoring dogfight. Weird, right? Yep, low-scoring dogfight. Montana hangs close. Michigan just got too much athleticism towards the end of the game. They hit a couple big shots. That's that. Michigan on the round of 32. Now, another team I like, been riding, Wofford, 29-4. and Pisses me off. They play a Seton Hall team in the 10 seed. Just pisses me off. Here you go. Switch Seton Hall and Old Dominion out. Put Old Dominion against Wofford. Oh, wait, you don't want two mid-majors playing each other. I get it. Well, Seton Hall's and I guess, a Power 6 conference team, I guess. Seton Hall is not a 20-13 and 13 team. They're much better than that. Injuries have plagued them. I'm going with Wofford. That's a tough matchup. Seton Hall's really athletic. They got some good. They got a couple guards that can score with anybody in the country. I'm going with Wofford. Screw it. I'm going with them. They deserve to be there. They deserve to win. Seton Hall, if they even deserve to be in the tournament, should be again not a 10 seed. We got to break this habit of giving these bigger schools like this that that are oh they're tournament regulars a 10 seed just because they sneak into the tournament with a bubble burst. Now let's go talk about Old Dominion. ODU, playing Purdue. Purdue's always primed for an upset, if you ask me. They go on. I just feel like Purdue struggles shooting free throws. And teams that struggle shooting free throws, in my, and it's not even like I looked at the stats and said, oh, Purdue's a bad free throw shooting team. It's just the eye test. You watch Purdue and you see that they miss a lot of free throws. 
that's what I see when I watch them. I just it's one thing I pick up on, and I think that they're primed for an upset. Do I think that they get upset? No, I don't. Do they make it out of the next round? Uh, depends who they play. I could see them definitely get beat. But I'll take Purdue today. And last but not least, a more intriguing matchup here. Um, two teams that did not deserve to be an 8-9 seed. Um, in my opinion, here again, we're looking at like a 14-15 seed possibly each. Playing some pretty stout competition, but it did set up a, being 8-9 seeds, both being overrated. did set up a pretty good matchup here for what should have been a play-in game, maybe. Uh, you got Baylor at 19-13, and 13, not deserving of a tournament bid, and Syracuse at 20-13. and 13. Oh, there's a sliver of hope that they made the tournament, and they did. It's going to be a grind-out game. Syracuse edges out Baylor, low-scoring, boring game that is dominated by the 2-3 zone of Jim Beheim. Not to mention... There's going to be a couple big plays, a block or two, a big dunk here or there. Syracuse wins. Tomorrow we'll talk about the next. We'll talk about the next 16 games and another team that didn't deserve, possibly to. Well, I guess they probably they might deserve to be in the tournament. Iowa we're talking about, but I mean they're not a 10 seed again. They get blessed to play a seven seed. Uh, you know, when you should be playing like a number two Kentucky. That's what I'd like to see. You know, Iowa 15 seed playing Kentucky. Let's see what happens there. Um, but it didn't happen, man. Just like an 8-9 matchup again, Ole Miss and Oklahoma is set up for a decent matchup with two teams that are overrated in my book, ranked too high. We'll talk that tomorrow. <clears throat> Those are my picks, okay? That, that's what I'm picking today. That's what I think's going on. Um, now that we've talked, you know, the uh, the cut and dry stuff. Let's talk. Let's talk scandals, probabilities, things like that. So we all know that Robert Kraft got his little wanker pole on or sucked on or something here. Sorry for the inappropriate context of that. Let me put that out there. But so everything, something happened. Okay, the guy. They offered him and the rest of the gentlemen in the suit a uh, offer to accept a plea deal where they just have to receive a fine, community service, take an STD screening, and do a class about prostitution. Well, here's the deal. From what I've heard in my sources, the Kraft will not agree to that at all because they have to admit in court that they would have been found guilty. Kraft does not feel like he has committed a crime. He does not like his name being removed ran through mud in the scandal talk because they're saying sex trafficking. Doesn't want to be associated with that. Mr. Kraft, the ladies that massaged him for a 39 and 50-year-old woman, both times, well, each time respectively, both licensed to be massage, art, massage therapists in the state of Florida. Neither on visas or anything like that with any type of sex trafficking backgrounds. So... Did he do something wrong? Yes, I think he did. Was he involved in sex trafficking? No, not at all. And what it comes down to is people are, are, are calling for his head. I mean, they're saying ban him from the NFL. Sex trafficking is such a serious thing. And I get it. It's a serious thing, and I do get it. But we got to start separating sports and politics and stuff like that, okay, sports and, and the outside world, because you're sitting here trying to 
you know, cut a guy's head off over something that's not even proven. The two ladies that were able to give him a massage were licensed massage therapists. No ties to sex trafficking. Was he wrong? Yeah. I'd like to see how it plays out. See if he accepts the plea deal of its guilt. What happens here? I don't, I don't know. I'd like to see. I'm sure you guys would all like to see. We'll find out. I think the Patriots, uh, they'll, they'll get some type of punishment. The NFL, the NFL doesn't let a chance go to punish the Patriots. I'll put that out there. But it's it's one of those things where it's, you know, something outside of your job affects you inside your job. And that happens all in every job in America, okay? Every job in America, that happens. Don't add people on social media that work with you. Unless you want, when something crazy happens on social media, everyone to find out about it. That's your workplace. Don't go to jail if you don't want people in your workplace to find out about it. And don't get caught in a prostitution sting if you do not want your franchise being shunned upon about it, essentially. Mr. Kraft, do I think he did anything wrong? Honestly, no. But that's me. Do it in Vegas next time where it's legal, pal. Have, I'd say, 20% of males, if not 30% of males, got massages and had some type of extracurricular happen. Absolutely, 20 to 30% have had some extracurriculars happen while getting a massage. I guarantee it. You got caught in the wrong place at the wrong time, my man. Sucks for you. Sucks for the franchise. Hopefully they don't take away too many draft picks or anything like that. But you got to be a little smarter, man. Sure, if you have just done that, if you have done that in Vegas, you'd have been just fine legal. In other news, you have the the Tampa Bay Buccaneers becoming the first NFL team to hire two female assistant coaches. Congratulations, ladies. One thing I'll talk about when it comes down to this is, and this is no shade to the ladies that got hired, and, and no shade to women at all. Definitely respect equality, everyone having a fair shot. In sports these days, it seems to be more apparent that it's more or less not about the equal right to compete, but for companies to say, oh, I need to have equal men and women or, or, or more women to avoid the possibility of some type of sexual harassment. And I feel like the the viewers are getting the, the brunt end of this. You know, it, it sucks for the viewers that not that they have to have women reporting on sports. That's totally fine, okay? And I don't want them to just put a pretty face on the field for certain interviews or on the court, you know? I don't want to see that at all. I love to see, you know, a Michelle Beadle, for example, up there arguing, you know, doing a great job, okay? But what I don't want to see is great people that deserve jobs getting looked over because it's no longer equality it's 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 half and half it's 50-50 we we have to hire we have to hire a female assistant or we have to hire a female reporter okay hire the best person for the job if they're a female i love it great let's get them in there if they're a male okay that's fine 
But what we need to not have happen is sports reporting to get watered down by bringing in people solely based on diversity that may or may not be the best qualified for the job. Again, congratulations to the two women that are now the first, that have now are can hold reins to being assistant coaches in the NFL and gave made the Tampa Bay Buccaneers the first team in the NFL with two assist, female assistant coaches. It's a wonderful thing. It's a great thing for sports. I'd like to see more women in coaching and more women just in sports in general. But let's just make sure we're putting the appropriate people there, the people that are, you know, capable of continuing the great legacy of sports broadcasting and arguments, honestly. It's it's not a debate. I say it is, but they're flat-out arguments. And I don't want to see – what I definitely don't want to see either is you have some guy like Max Kellerman trying to, you know, uh, talk down or, or almost scare or – intimidate a female reporter, I want to make sure that they're giving the same rights, you know, and and can, you know, come back and are not befuddled about someone aggressively talking, you know, talking to them or in a physical manner. So, again, don't take me wrong. I'm not, not, not against female reporting or female females in any type of sports in any facet. I just would like to see and make sure that everyone is and you know honestly let me let me take a little step further let's look at even some of these 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 re- reporters like look at Mike Golick okay nothing against Golick Jr but does Golick Jr deserve to be a a broadcaster i mean does he deserve to to be on the radio show as often as he is do you bring anyone else on that often i mean do you see people that are former celebrities, whether they're a musician or they're an actor or something, try to get into it and they have the fast road? Of course you do. Is it fair? No. That's what I'm talking about. We gotta get the right people in the seats. I I don't wanna I don't wanna see a circus. You know? Let's not bring a guy in just because he knows somebody. That's how it all works. Let's get a guy in there that knows what he's talking about, a guy that's ready to tight you know, face the fire. Put him in there with the tough issues. Let's see what happens. I think it'd be great for sports. The last thing I want to talk about <clears throat> free agency. Depending on who you like, you are either pissed your team is not making moves or happy they're not making moves. Or you're pissed they are making moves or pissed they aren't making moves. Okay? My overall number one grade so far goes to the Cleveland Browns. They've had the best offseason in my eyes I've seen in five to ten years. A pretty good offseason, the New York Jets. Pretty good offseason, the Green Bay Packers. A pretty good offseason, the Los Angeles Rams. The Oakland Raiders. I mean there there there's been some some pretty some pretty good off seasons here, you know? You know, Tennessee, it's a pretty good year. Get somebody behind Mariota to push him. Jacksonville Jaguars. Signed an elite quarterback in my eyes. Watched Nick Foles play in person. Watched him torch the New England Patriots for almost 500 yards. 
throwing balls and windows that I haven't seen anyone do, make, throw. Guys, give your teams a break. Now, if your team's out there spending all the money in the world, be angry. Be upset. But if they're out there not making moves, they're following the Patriots mantra, they're, they're, they're going with what New England does and succeeds with, give them a chance. See what happens. The draft is right around the corner. we got a lot of exciting young players in this draft, and there's still a lot of exciting players left currently that are there and they're excited and they're, that are on the free agent block. And they're going to go between now and the draft and after the draft, especially after the draft. So I really appreciate you guys all tuning in today. Again, this is Lucas McMurrin, the Lucas McMurrin Sports Show. I hope I didn't offend anyone, and I hope I gave you guys some good information, some stuff to look on to. And I kept you guys in the loop here, and it was somewhat exciting and somewhat fun you like to listen to me because I'm going to keep coming to you. I'm going to try to get you something every day. Now, it might not be a full hour or 50 minutes, but it might only be 5 or 10 or 15 minutes as I drive to work. But I'm going to try to bring you the latest in sports news each and every day. Again, this is Luke's McMurnan. This was sponsored by Boster Lawn Care and Snow Removal out of Cedar Rapids, Iowa. You guys have a wonderful day. Drink some beer. Enjoy some college hoops. Eat some bad food. Have a cheat day. That's what I'm talking about. Lucas McMurrin's out.